Yeah. Guess get. What do you get when you cross Soundgarden? Okay. With country rock. Right. Spoon feed the offspring some spooky. Okay. And have it write a love letter to the rock and roll bands from the past. It's kind of a weird blend of things, but what's that? You get Death by Rock and Roll by The Pretty Reckless. Hmm. Is that going to be the topic for the day? Yes, it is. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Gabe. And this is Matt. And this is Tentacle Bop, your source for uh, music reviews. And today we're going to be discussing Death by Rock and Roll by The Pretty Reckless, which is their uh, newest full-length album that they released back on uh, February 12th of 2021. Hey, Matt. How'd you feel about this album? So, and uh, as I'll kind of dig into when we get towards the end and we actually do the actual rating of the record, is this was one that I kind of had a hard time putting a, putting a finger on to. Um, I actually recently revisited um, the Going to Hell record that they put out. I believe it was 2014, if my timeline's correct. Um, and just to kind of get a little bit of additional insight going into this record and kind of understand, you know, where they were at before and kind of where they are now. Um, and that was actually my first ever exposure to the band themselves with various songs like um, Follow Me Down, There Was Heaven Knows, mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple of other really big hit tracks out of that and just kind of getting some some of the additional perspective. Um, and I'll be completely honest and just to kind of go into my first impressions and then I'll kind of bounce it back over to you just to hear what you think is it felt this record felt a lot more honed in than going to hell was is when I look at going to hell and I know your thoughts on this band themselves. Going to Hell felt a lot more like what War is the Answer was for Five Finger Death Punch in how it was kind of all over the place. And what I mean is it goes from the very heavy, at least, you know, Five Finger Death Punch heavy, to the really soft radio kind of sing-along or the one the songs that you would find at a live show that they would really be trying to get people to sing along to. And then back to the heavy, and it just felt very back and forth and just all over the place in that regard. Um, this felt a lot more honed in. It felt like Pretty Reckless knew what they were doing kind of coming in, and they had their vision and ran with it. Um, so at least for first impressions for me was kind of that. Um, what were your first impressions on this one? So this album was hit and miss for me, but when I say that, it was mostly hit and a little bit of miss. Mm-hmm. Um, like I saw three quarters of the album I really enjoyed and would regularly jam the songs outside of just reviewing them for the podcast. Um, the other quarter were just too different from the other songs on the album. And it just felt kind of like a split project between the two. Okay. Um, half, like half the album sounded like a sound garden project with Taylor Momsen and the other half felt like the, the band Perry or lady antebellum featuring Taylor Momsen. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, with like a country vibe. And so for obvious reasons, like those are the ones that I was not a fan of, but mm-hmm. like the sound garden stuff was super awesome. Yeah. And uh, uh, just, um, based on one of the interviews I had seen where you actually, I believe it was actually Taylor Momsen speaking is Chris Cornell is actually one of our biggest musical heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this was actually written right after the announcement that Chris Cornell had passed. Um, I guess in the interview, Taylor Momsen was saying that she had seen Chris Cornell the day before he died. Yeah, they were on um, tour with them. Yeah, uh, and it when was, he passed away. She, so she was she was real shaken up about it. Um, so this was very much a kind of love letter to Soundgarden. And there's actually a couple of references, not just in sound, but actually lyrically to Soundgarden, which I thought was actually a really nice nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and speaking of lyrics, how did you uh, feel about the overall lyrics of the album? This is a dark record. <laughs> um, I mean, and it's ba- based on kind of what they were bringing up, and I'll actually read some of it, the verbatim. Um, and it was actually Taylor Momsen said in an interview with Spin that I was in a very dark space there for a while, and if it wasn't for making the making of this record, I don't know if I'd be here right now. Um, and it seems to reference it was the death of their longtime producer, and I'm going to butcher the guy's name, so I do apologize for those who know him, Kato Kondwala. Um, who was died in a motorcycle accident shortly after the band had started working on this record. And then, um, as we had said just a few minutes ago, or a few moments ago, um, is they started tracking the album following the death of Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very, very dark record. And as you go through is 
And I'll, I'll be completely honest, after the first listen through of this record, I literally sat there and I was like, Taylor, are you good? Are <laughs> you good, dude? Like, and it, it sound, it felt almost as if she was writing a suicide note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you were correct. And the uh, actual name of the album and the, the title track, Death by Rock and Roll, was actually something that Kato mm-hmm. Kandwala had, uh, kind of coined for them. And they wrote that song as well as Harley Darling as an homage to him. Yep. Um, so yeah, um, lyrically for me, um, the album, like yeah, like you said, it was a very dark album. I I like Taylor Momsen as a lyricist. I don't think it was amazing by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't bad by anything, but um, it just it, nothing really particularly stood out as amazing. Um, yeah, I I liked some of the uh, lyrical phrasing and uh, and allusions that she went into, and I'll go into those as we mm-hmm. go on the track by track. Um, but yeah, like nothing was particularly amazing about it, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like it was still a, a decently, uh, written, uh, lyric, the content of it w- was, was written well. Yeah. And I think a lot of, and I, I made a note of it here is it felt like there was just so much reference to the whole live fast, die beautiful kind of thing. And I Very think much. that really, that really ties into the name of the record. Um, so I think they really hit the nail on the head on the, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, w- really musically, um, what were you thinking on it? So, as, as I alluded to before, um, this really did sound like a Soundgarden side project, and they came in and almost—I mean, not even almost—they brought in two of the 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 two guitarists from Soundgarden to mm-hmm. even be featured on one of the songs. Um, as a Soundgarden fan, I still really enjoyed that. Like, but by no means is this a bad thing. Um, I, I really enjoyed just the the whole kind of Soundgarden vibe to it. And um, the heavier guitar-driven songs were really more my speed on this record. Um, I, rec- I recognize and respect the musicianship on songs like Harley Darling and mm-hmm. uh, the a couple of the ones I'm, I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, but it's just it, that's really not a style that's going to be for me. And it's going to be an auto-skip for me every time. Mm-hmm. But the songs like Death by Rock and Roll, Only Love Can Save Us Now, and So It Went, like, those are going to be the songs that I jam regularly. Right. Yeah. And that what makes about you? sense. This one is, um, as we was kind of alluded to in the intro, is this very much felt like a love letter to a lot of the rock and roll bands that were um, kind of came before. Um, Taylor Momsen has brought up in the in one of the interviews that I had had a chance to read is her favorite band is the Beatles. So, um, and there's references and I'll actually dig into that. in one of the later songs is references to specific artists or musicians from old rock bands, but it also felt very much like it was them trying to be a modern rock band as, as well as having those influences Mm -hmm. from the old and olden days. Um, Taylor Momsen shows a lot of what makes her voice unique um, and kind of what separates her from a lot of the other female vocalists that you find in the scene where it's a little bit more of the gritty style and she's not trying to sing like the highest notes for the sake of singing the highest notes and it really just kind of pushes forward on what the what made the band appealing um so that i can absolutely respect Mm -hmm. absolutely and uh, before we start jumping into the music here the uh artwork on the album here so the artwork features a a new taylor momson laying on a gravesite um with the photography on it done by a, a photographer named Danny Hastings. He's uh, done a variety of work um, throughout the hard rock and metal scene in the past. Um, so the band's name is at the top of the grave marker and at the bottom contains D- the letters DXRNR, which is death by rock and roll. Um, and this is not the first time that we've seen Momsen in on the cover in a scandalous manner. We also saw it on 2014's going to hell. Um, what were kind of your interpretations on this album cover? I really didn't look at the album cover or at least start kind of trying to look at the artwork and kind of breaking it down until after I had listened to the record at least once. And it just, as I said earlier, it just hits the nail on the head is it it's very much the, the idea of, you know, the, the rock and roll being what kills her and it's her pretty much being laid down um, at, because of the lifestyle. And there were just so many songs that really alluded to this idea where it was almost it was almost her wanting to welcome death. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very much like nail on the head and it keeps it very, it, her being stripped down almost is this idea of her allowing the her herself to be vulnerable mm-hmm. in, in the regard of what, the, how just dark and how much it sounded like she really needed this record. 
Yeah, and I, I agree wholeheartedly in that, um, especially just being on the backs of the, the death of Chris and Cato. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that I thought kind of might have a play into it, especially as we see um, when we get into the song 25, like it's really outlining kind of where she's been in her headspace her entire life. And um, growing up, Taylor Momsen was a child actor. I mean, she played Cindy Lou Who in, yep. in The Grinch, uh, Who Stole Christmas, as well as a variety of other TV shows, including like Gossip Girl or something like that. Yeah. Um, and was... so everybody knows that growing up as a child actor is always going to be kind of just a rough go at it, just because you're put to work from the time that you're basically that you can remember and you're always forced to be playing somebody else. And I feel like this is kind of a way of her separating herself from that even further. Because obviously mm-hmm. with The Pretty Reckless, she doesn't really ride on the the fact that she's a Hollywood actress. No. But it's really just kind of more her separating further from that and uh, being able to take charge and say, this is the way that I'm going to die. I'm not going to die like the rest of those people. It's going to be by rock and roll because this is who I am and this mm-hmm. is what my life is. And the nice thing is, um, and I, I wish I could remember who the, the um, interviewer was that had done this, but she had actually brought up is... In, and I think it was Pretty Little Liars, I think, was the show that we, as she was on. I, sure, it's one of those. Pretty yeah. Little Liars, Gossip Girl, Gilmore Girls, I really don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I almost want to, I could, I could be wrong and I could just be misremembering. But she had said that when she was attempting to kind of get out of Pretty Little Liars to start Pretty Reckless, is she was very happy with the fact that the, I believe it was the writer was able to write her off Mm -hmm. and allow her to be able to go and be in this band. So she was very, her just being like, I'm extremely thankful for the fact that I'm able to actually be in this band and, and do what I actually want to do instead of being, being an actor. And she, um, the, the reason it was brought up is the interviewer had kind of asked, Hey, are you, you know, do you regret being an actor or are you planning on coming back for the sort of reunion or the reboot that they're doing? And she's like, I won't say never, but because Pretty Reckless is really where my heart is, I don't have any sort of intention of coming back. Again, she's not completely counting it out, but she's not, she's more focused on the music and I can respect it. Yeah. And in previous interviews as well, she's always said that she she left acting on a good note yeah it wasn't like it was just this thing that tore her apart and she's never going to do it again she enjoyed her time and she remembers it fondly Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where that is something that can really wear down on a person and i feel like her getting out when she did really helped her in the long run instead of ending up the way that or these songs make her sound like she's going to end up (laughs) yeah and and the other thing too is she she definitely uh kind of alludes to um, you know, she's really glad that she did do the acting gig because it allowed her to have the work ethic she, that she does now. Um, so she she looks at it again, as you said, very fondly and, and with a very positive light to it. Absolutely. But uh, from moving out from the uh, the acting side of things, let's go ahead and jump into the track by track. So this uh, album starts off with the title track, "Death by Rock and Roll." How'd you feel about this one, there, Matt? After the initial listen to of the record. This claim the spot is my favorite song. Okay. Um really it's it, melody wise is it's not the most memorable uh, but I really like the message that it has. Um and I also appreciate that and especially after the interview or not the interview, I'm sorry, the review of the new Evanescence record, having this not just be the Taylor Momsen show mm-hmm. was a beautiful beautiful thing in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, this and really the rest of this record is the culmination of everything that I was talking about that I didn't like about the last record. Right. Was the fact that this wasn't just Taylor Momsen's show. This was actually the band The Pretty Reckless all coming together and working together as one. It Just the, the fact that it was Taylor Momsen really didn't play a factor into it. It was the whole band working cohesively. And I, I really like this song. It's not my favorite on the record, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's in my top three for sure. Um, I, I As I mentioned before, this song was a like kind of paid an homage to a Kato Kandwala and um, the footsteps that you hear right before the guitars come in are actually his footsteps on his way to record their last record um, before he passed away. Yeah. So um, the lyrical um, phrasing on this one reminds me a lot of how uh, heaven knows was that I I was actually, that was a note that I made (sighs) as well, especially in the, the way that they, they kind of almost paint the narrative is it very much felt like heaven knows. Yeah. And um, it, gave me very much like musically um gave me very much uh, a 
been away for too long sound by uh sound garden which was okay. off their uh king animal uh EP, or not ep um their king animal album which was the last full-length album that they recorded oh wow okay. back in i think like 2014 as well um but just like sound wise it kind of gave me that kind of vibe to it which again is an, another great record and i do highly recommend that album for anybody who hasn't heard that um but yeah, like I said, it, it fits the kind of a similar formula as uh, Heaven Knows, and it, it was a contender for my top song, like right out the gate. I just, okay. I really enjoyed the song. This is going to be one of those songs that I continue listening to. Yeah, no, and I, I can definitely stand by that. As that's going to be the same case for me. One of the things I really liked, and especially you see this happen more often in the record, is you get to see the guitarist kind of cut loose, and that solo was really nice, and especially that intro riff was just. The intro riff slaps super hard, and that solo was fantastic. Yeah. Um, we we definitely see the um, guitarist Ben Phillips just kind of go to town on it, and it mm-hmm. was great. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, no, I I definitely enjoyed that one. So after Death by Rock and Roll is we have Only Love Can Save Me Now, which features Matt Cameron and, and I do apologize if I mispronounce the name, Kim Thale. I believe that's correct. Uh, yeah, and they're both for, uh, members of Soundgarden. Um, Gabe, dig right into this. So. Again, as I've mentioned before here, I'm I'm already a huge fan of Soundgarden to right. begin with. And hearing these guys, like it, it was actually able to hear the distinct difference between them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still a pretty reckless song, but it just had that extra Soundgarden flavor with the two guitarists using their own sounds and, mm-hmm. and their own effects and that kind of stuff. Um, whenever they were originally recording these demos, um, Momsen stated that she had felt that the demo they recorded had a very Soundgarden feel to it to begin with. So they wanted to enlist the playing capability of the two guitarists to take that song just to the next level. And lyrically, it just feels like it's a coming to peace with the death of Chris Cornell and the death of mm-hmm. those uh, just around her that she's had uh, interactions with in the past. Yeah, it just as a Soundgarden fan, the song felt really good, and I'd love to see more collaborations between the two parties again. I feel like a collaboration, and like actually having a Soundgarden side project with Taylor Momsen, I would love that and listen to the heck out of it. That would actually be kind of cool. I'm not gonna lie, and you know, I as I've been exposed to Soundgarden for for a long time. I've known the name. I've known Chris Cornell's voice for really most of the time I've been alive and at least as long as I've been listening to rock music. So I can, I can honestly dig that. And especially if Taylor Momsen really kind of uses that as in a way as a love letter to Chris Cornell and just kind of really pushing that I can definitely get behind it. So this one is, you know, kind of, as you said, is it very much sounded like it was a Soundgarden song instrumentally. Um, So again, just hits the nail right on the head, especially having two of the members from Soundgarden on it it's again it's 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 almost too obvious that that would be the case um the thing is is it's a decent song in my opinion but and it's not one that i'm going to intentionally go out and listen to um it was enjoyable for the compared to a lot of the other songs on the record i enjoyed it but it wasn't enough that's going to make me come just like begging for more kind of thing this is my number two song on the record actually okay. <laughs> i um i really like this song and it's like one of the more catchy ones that just ends up in my head mm-hmm. a lot and this one this is another situation where they don't let it become the taylor moms and show is it's you know she she's allowed to do what she does but the the rest of the band is getting to show what they're capable of doing mm-hmm Absolutely. Uh, moving forward, we go into the song And So It Went, uh, which features Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine, Audio Slave. Matt, how are you feeling about this one? Opening riff reminded me of Old Shinedown. Okay. Um, and then on this, of, at least of the singles, is I think this might end up being the strongest. Um, I It'll probably put it maybe like top three. Um, I will say one of the things that really, really annoyed me about the song is the children chant, the children chanting part. That is a trope that needs to stop. <laughs> I, I'm beyond over it. Like it was done, and I can't remember the the name of the song, but Shine Down did it on I believe Bully. their second record. It's the song Bully. Yep. It, it needs to go away. It needs to just stop. Um, but other than that, I really quite enjoyed the song. Tom Morello, um, I think his guitar playing might end up being the best part of the song. Um, and then the the choruses with, or 
Yep. No, it was actually the. I'm sorry. The soft, softer vocal style that Taylor does before the solo happens. Um, I think those are the two best parts of the song. But overall, I think as a single, again, this may be the strongest one. So this is my favorite song on the record. I respect it. I I thought this song was fantastic. I'm I'm also a huge Tom Morello fan. Um, mm-hmm. Audio Slave was my first real introduction. Like outside of just hearing things on the radio. It was my first real introduction to anything Rage Against the Machine and anything Chris Cornell related. Okay. And so from there, that's kind of where I got to explore those other two and really kind of just delve into that. But um, So I, I was a huge fan of Audio Slave growing up as well. Um, but hearing this song, like it, it was very distinctly Tom Morello playing mm-hmm. guitar, which was fantastic. I love that because he's got such a distinct style. Oh, I, I've I've loved his style for as long as I've known who Tom Morello is. It, exactly. It's like it, as a guitarist, it's one of those things. Like, I want to do that, but at the same time, I don't think they'll ever really be able to do that because all I can do is copy it. I can never actually truly do it. Right. Um. And, and that's just a defining thing of a of a great guitarist. Um. In regards to the children voices. While I agree with you that it is a trope that needs to die, this song it works really well in. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually really like it in this song. Now, there's plenty of other songs that I don't like. Like you mentioned, the Shinedown song. Like, it just, it needs to die. I hate children singing and I Mm -hmm. hate the sound of children's voices. (laughs) You make it sound a lot worse than I think you're meaning, but I don't care. I don't (laughs) like the sound of children's voices in music. (laughs) That being said, um, I felt like it really did work in this song because we also see it in Heaven Knows um, that yeah. they use it then. And again, like this is going to be something that she probably uses a little too much, but it worked again in that song mm-hmm. because in that one she was talking about basically just kids kind of lashing back and, and doing that they're not supposed to do. I mean, she's yeah. mentioning kids in class with pockets of high and, and, and that kind of stuff. Like it's something that fits well with it. And the, the whole concept of this song is just the civil unrest that's in the world today. And I feel like a children's choir kind of just shouting over the uh, shouting the chorus with that. I feel like that reflects appropriately for this song. Okay. And honestly, that, you know, with that kind of perspective. And I do believe that Taylor Momsen, in one of the interviews I had read, had kind of made a comment about that where it was. Um, and so it went is supposed to kind of be. It does talk a little bit about the fact that the, you know, the kids being the next generation of just human humanity really is, you know, them kind of just standing up and taking, taking charge really. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then from there we move into the song 25, which was the uh, first single that came off of this record, if I'm not mistaken. Matt, how'd you feel about this one? Not going to lie. I kind of really hate this song. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It makes me terribly uncomfortable. And if you look, I mean, you take the chorus at face value. At 25 and still alive, much longer than expected for a man. Considering I am a male and kind of (laughs) stupid, it feels like it's very much a call out to really how males kind of, it's amazing how most of us are alive even at this age. It, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit right. So I love this song. (laughs) (laughs) It, it gives me very much like a, a Black Hole Sun kind of vibe to it, where it's uh, just that very hallowing, dark, really early grunge um, kind of kind of just overall melodic sound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it breaks down Momsen's life and the struggles that she's had as a kid when she was a child actor and moving through her teens and stuff like that. Like It gets very detailed in how she was feeling and her battles with depression and suicide mm-hmm. throughout the course of it. And... Um, the lyrical style that she used just kind of going through and and incorporating the 25 and still alive uh, concept like that's not something that i've really heard a lot before like no. i've heard it in i think there was like a taylor swift song that used it and uh, a song by <laughs> yeah not that one uh, <laughs> um there's a, a song by creature feature that used the same trope like it, it's not a commonly used one and for good reason because it mm-hmm. requires storytelling involved and yeah this song fortunately had it and I, I feel like that's kind of one thing that helped bring it together a little bit more yeah. um my biggest complaint with this song was the the final line the shatters in my hand um mm-hmm. and throughout like the whole song it, fe- it feels like it's gonna step up and that she's just gonna like belt out that final note and then right. when it hits that last note she just <laughs> 
hits that falsetto note. And I don't know if it's just maybe because it's too out of a range or anything like that, but I was mm-hmm. really disappointed that she just didn't go for that because she does have such a powerful and such a cool voice Yeah, that that was my only like actual disappointing thing from this song because I really did like this song. Right. And one of the things that you were, you were kind of um, referencing it in your assessment is, and based on the interview with the paper is Taylor Momsen did say that the song is very autobiographical and a lot of autobiographical. <laughs> Good Lord. I can't read. <laughs> Um, in, in a lot of ways. And she thought it would be an interesting idea to figure out a way to go through all of the years of my life and somehow calculate that and have it end at 25. And the, but the inspiration was really drawn for me, just reflect, reflecting on my life up until that point. Um, and she was really writing this autobiographical song from a place of despair, um, she did state that when the song was written, she had just turned 25 and uh, had started recording this right after she had turned 25. Um, so, you know, kind of, you know, I see a trend here. Um, and then the other thing is she refers to this as the first musical shift as this record starts very heavy and very dark and very bleak. Well, 25 is this kind of first indication that there's hope. And I don't, I don't, in a way, I kind of don't see it, but, you know, I'm also kind of looking at it, seeing that it's just this very dark kind of dreary kind of style that she was going for. And the fact that she was digging into her life up to this point and kind of looking at it that way was a really cool narrative to kind of go through and write this song from. Because you don't see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Is you're, you're not seeing like a you know, year one, year two, and she she really goes that far back with it, which is really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Following this one is My Bones. How'd you feel about this one, Matt? It has a very nice pulse um, in, in regards to the, the kind of drum beat that they have. Um, it's just not really that interesting, in my opinion. Um the the voc- the drums really are the the driving force on this song. The solo is Chef's Kiss. <laughs> I really like that solo. Yeah, so like the, the song up until like where it switches up, it, it it's decent. I like it. It's got like a cool dark sinister brooding sound to it, and I, I do enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Um, and then it switches from the six eight timing from the beginning of the song up until the bridge, and then it goes just straight into that four four beat right off the uh, right off the cuff, and then just goes mm-hmm. into that blistering solo. So good. I love the fact that they did that, and then they just keep it in in four four the the rest of the way through, uh, which I appreciated a little bit more just as a musician because they're going back into the same uh remainder of the song right and um i i really did enjoy the song like it's not a super memorable one but like mm-hmm. going back and listening to it again like i'm not gonna have any issue with it i did yeah. enjoy it a lot this this one I, I it wouldn't be a song that i skip um but i it's just not one that i'm gonna really just like keep coming back to i will say i did kind of like the melody of the chorus and I think the the best part of the song is the portion after the solo where you really hear Taylor Momsen really start cutting loose. And you kind of see her start really digging into what her vocal capabilities are. And I was, you know, I kind of kind of did the, ooh, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really showed off her vocal capabilities in the song. And I really appreciated that because she mm-hmm. just does have such a cool voice that I want to hear more of it and want to yeah. hear more of her cutting loose. Yeah, no, and I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. Up next, we have Got So High, which is very stripped down. Yes. What are your thoughts on this one, Chief? It felt like the the natural selection uh, succession in the album as we move from track six and just kind of slowing it down for the middle of the album. Um, it's, it's clearly talking about uh, Momsen's battle with substance abuse and how she fell into depression post-Chris Cornell passing and same with Cato. Um I feel like it could have had a lot more lyrical content because it just feels really empty and repetitive. Um, it's not a song that I particularly skip in listening to the album again, mm-hmm. um, but it's not really one that I would intentionally go and listen to. Um, I like the musical transition into like a dissonant sound during the bridge, which definitely split the the song well into like the front half and the remainder of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has like a really, I, I really like the bridge a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving into the, the final bit of the, the song, worked very well and I'm, I'm very impressed with how they did that yeah um but at the same time like it just lyrically 
got really boring for me. That's fair. Yeah, no, and it's I really liked how it definitely did change up the this record. I think this is really a lot more where the um the the record changes compared to what Taylor Momsen referred to with twenty five. Um and it's not my cup of tea with regards to stripped down songs. Like there's something that I, I can't really put my finger on what it was, but it's I've heard other stripped down songs that I kind of prefer more. Um, it's, and and again, it's going to be one of those songs where I'm not going to skip it, but I'm not really going in just fully investing, um, my interest in just because it it definitely does feel like a bit of the, one of the weaker tracks on this one. Yeah. Uh, from got so high, we go into Oogie Boogie spoopy time with, uh, the song broomsticks. This is Halloween. This is <laughs> yeah. Th- this very much was like a Tim Burton song. <laughs> I think that it was actually, if I heard correctly, is I think this was actually released around Halloween. I think it was just released as a on Halloween for the record. Yeah, um, I definitely would have liked to. It, it's a cool precursor to the next song, which is "Witches Burn." Mm-hmm. I definitely would have liked to seen more elements of this kind of like spooky, gothier overtone of it. Yeah, but otherwise, it's just there yeah like, it was, I don't it was really very gimmicky and it felt more like an interlude than an actual song um yeah. and it, it i can kind of agree is not having the ability to or not having gone and faded as well into witches burn um i can definitely agree with um and honestly let's just get right into witches burn in a way the broomsticks kind of flows into witches burn but it's not as clean of a transition as we I've seen with other yeah. songs. Um, a couple of examples is like the song Awakening going into Promise Ones by Bless the Fall or Dead Throne going into um, Untitled by the Devil Wears Prada, just to name a few examples. Um, even what's the op- um, whatever the first song is of uh, Our Endless War by White Chapel going right into Our Endless mm-hmm. War is it's a lot smoother. This one is broomsticks kind of just fades 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 goes to nothing and all of a sudden we're just going and we're building back up from zero Mm -hmm. um i recall during my initial listen on this one is i was very intrigued um and it was just kind of just all throughout the song it was just kind of in and out at different places and i was like oh this is kind of neat oh this is cool this is kind of fun um the solo, I think, was really what kept the song from falling to um, kind of the Taylor Momsen project. Um, I think everything else just kind of felt like the it felt like the instrumentals kind of took a back burner on mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, for sure. The um, this song feels like the soundtrack to a female serial killer. <laughs> oh no! Um, I love oh, it. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, the overall groove, and, and once again, Momsen just shows us her capability of her voice, and I'm just about it. Um, towards the end of the song, we hear that background guitar solo going on, and I really wish it had just been increased in volume so you could hear mm-hmm. more of it, because Ben Phillips is really a solid guitarist, and I just feel like in mixing this album, they kind of took him down a little bit too much, and I would have liked to have heard a little bit more of that, just because he does some really cool stuff with it, and I, I want to hear more of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the thing, a couple of things is, I I'm not sure how I feel about the vocal melody of the chorus. Um, and the lyrics I, I had wrote, written down for this one is it's for this I'll burn, and then it's repeated twice. Um, and then it's one thing I've learned: you'll get your turn. All witches burn, and that's repeated three times. Um, and just kind of look, and as I'm kind of looking through everything is it feels like a reference to how um, people were treated when they were thought of to be witches. Mm-hmm. But it also felt like a re- reference to being like a woman of the night, one of them sexy times. Uh, there's definitely references to that in the beginning. Yeah. And then references to the the actual like constant concept of uh, witches and, and wickedry and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that really kind of just finishes off all of that we then move into the uh next song standing at the wall uh, how'd you feel about this one matt this is for sure gonna be an, an acoustic set either an acoustic set or it's gonna be one of those songs and again referencing five finger death punch and how far from home was for them where it's just everybody gets a chance to really breathe and it's just 
we're going to be singing and I need all of you guys involved. Like that's the, definitely the vibe I got out of this song. We got to get you off that five or five finger death punch kick, man. I'm (laughs) I'm telling you, it's going to be the death of me. (laughs) So, uh, I guess we're going to be reviewing the new five finger death punch whenever that decides to come out. Absolutely not. We can do it in a hidden track or something like that and talk about how awful it was because it's inevitably awful, but no, we're not doing that. (laughs) Um, I will also say that, um, this this felt like a song that was released in the wrong time. I feel like it w- should have actually been released somewhere between like the 60s and the 80s. It just felt very much like I, and I did I think it was just the overall vibe of it, the overall vibe of it. Um and I did, you know, a combination of how Taylor presents it vocally along with the how the instrumentals really carry it. Um it just felt like it was released in the wrong time. If it's not a single already, I believe it should be one. This one is where it starts seeing the fusion of country rock into the song um, for me. I enjoy the song, particularly the choruses, but the verses have me really struggling to get through it. Okay. And unfortunately, um, her voice is just able to bring it back and just kill it through the second half of the song. The The bridge just carries the song and uh, it, it just into what it's meant to be. And the song finishes out really strong. Mm-hmm. But like the first half of it, it just really kind of drags on for me. Okay. And that's kind of where I start seeing where I don't, particularly enjoy this record okay um moving moving into this half of it that that song is kind of like the last remnant of what i'm still going to be liking um and then it moves into turning gold which still has some of it a little bit but it just kind of doesn't it, it just doesn't really do it for me um is that all you had on uh standing at the wall yeah that was that was everything okay. you yeah. know what turning gold really reminds me of what's that slash with miles kennedy Okay. Yeah, I and can it, definitely it's see not that. just in the present presentation of the instrumentals, but it's also if you kind of listen to uh, a little bit in her tone, but also in the way she enunciates words in this song, is it feels very Miles Kennedy esque. And so I, I was kind of sitting there and I was like, "This feels just very Miles Kennedy ish." And mm-hmm. I've actually, I'll be honest, I've had the pleasure of seeing him live, and he is phenomenal. Yeah. just as a little you know derailing <laughs> yeah lyrically it's a, a cool song like just juxtaposes the positive sound of the song um to a, like a, just a very nihilistic theme throughout it mm-hmm. um and then the little bit of sitar at the end was kind of fun yep and then <laughs> um that is actually david and i apologize if i mispronounced the name david pont Bryan, um who is actually on the sitar and he plays i believe it's the tapura on this record as well. I couldn't figure out which song that was. I'll be honest, Matt. I play 12 instruments. I don't even know what that is. I honestly, (laughs) I don't either. But um, to David, we see you. We see you, dude. (laughs) Um, Cool. I don't really have much more on Turning Gold. It wasn't very much of a memorable song. The more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. But it just, it's not something that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, outside of the Slash and Miles Kennedy thing, I really didn't have anything on that either. So next up, we have Rock and Roll Heaven. Gabe, I'll let you start this one out. So this was obviously a very personal song for Momsen, um, just about her growing up and her musical influences, and it's just littered with references to the music and situations that she grew up in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very much like a country rock song, and I'm just not really about it. It's a fine song overall, but it's just not for me. Um, Musically, it doesn't deviate from the usual country rock formula and... The only thing it's honestly missing is a little bit more of a nasally country twang from Momsen's voice in order to make it that. I could see um, that. The, the The tone in the guitar solo was pretty solid, though. Um, there, again, the same thing that we saw in uh, Witches Burn is there's some cool solo that was going on in the background at the very end of the song. It just needed to be increased by a few decibels to really showcase the musical capabilities of right. Ben Phillips again. Um, but yeah, overall, like it just it really wasn't there for me. This song, honestly, for me, this song should have been the closer. Um, and it's, this is really the love song, um, to not only the history of rock and roll, but to the musicians from the, the bands that really helped shape it. Um, the line, Jimmy, Janice, and Morrison, a garden full of sound, which this is where you see the reference to Jimi Hendrix, um, which you would know from the Jimi Hendrix project, uh, Janice Joplin, who did a couple of records with Big Brother and the Holding Company, as well as a record herself. Um, you see the reference to Jim Morrison of the Doors, and then very just in your face the reference to Soundgarden. 
Um, and then there's another line in the the song that really grabbed my attention. It's the "Gotta make it to 27 before I die." Before I, good lord, I can't talk today. <laughs> Gotta make it to 27 before I die. Um, and after I did some research, is and I knew that they died at a young age. Um, but Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison all died at 27. Yeah, the 27 Club's a very real thing. Kurt Cobain's also a part of it. That's, yep. Yeah, and I think just... she actually makes a reference to that. I be- If it wasn't this song, I believe it was um, Death by Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the song is very lighthearted as that thank you to the musical pioneers. Um, but it also really shows that darker side of the, the rock industry. Um, it's very much a ballad, um, and it, it feels like it was actually one that could have been written by a band, like one of the hair metal bands out of the eighties. It was just, it very much had that aura to it. Um, and I, I definitely really like this one. Um, and then digging into, and we've referenced it a couple of times is Harley Darling. This song does not feel right to have as the closer. I hate the song. Auto skip every time. <laughs> um, yeah, this it's it's a straight much, country song. This is straight up. Yep, and I um and I even made the made the note here. Are we seeing a teaser at a turn to country? And I, I, I have that not. verbatim uh, here. This feels more like a bonus track or like a B side that would be included on a special edition release of this record. Um, it, it just doesn't feel very pretty reckless. It's literally, you know, kind of like you said, Lady Antebellum, but it's Taylor Momsen on the vocals as opposed to who their actual singer is. So I recognize and respect the reason that they put it at the end, um, being that it is another homage to, uh, to Kato Kenwala. Yep. Um, given that he, uh, passed away due to a motorcycle accident. And this is kind of just all about that in, in regards to that. Um, I understand and respect why they have as the album closer. I personally just am disappointed in it because mm-hmm. of how strong the album started. Yeah. Um, I understand that this will work for some people, just not for me. Yeah, I come to respect. And honestly, you know, and kind of stealing some verbiage that you've used in a couple of prior reviews that we've done, Gabe, is it's in a way it's kind of a bookmark um so or a bookend if you will so at the beginning of the record where they use the footsteps of Cato and then using this song as kind of the the bookend to close it out as i feel like at least looking at it from that perspective is i can completely respect it as the closer um just the song itself if i look at just how i prefer records to be put together is this is just not how I want the uh, record to close. Um, really quick shout out. Uh, the song does feature Isaac Phillips on the harmonica. Um, I will say as well is there are a few other individuals that were on this record doing some additional instrumentals. Um, we did reference the uh, two uh, guitarists from Soundgarden as well as Tom Rell. There were some additional musicians that appeared on it doing some additional stuff. Unfortunately, we just weren't able to find out which songs that they had done the work on or else we would have give, definitely given them a call out. Speaking of uh, uh, being featured on tracks, before we get into the, the rating here, um, since we discussed the Evanescence last week, um, and specifically in the song "Use My Voice," there was the credit that was uh, given to Lizzie Hale in there. Guess who else was credited on that song that I learned about this week? Taylor Momsen. That's right, you did <laughs> tell me about that one. That I do blew my because it, it was again it was background vocal mm-hmm. singing, but it was just one of those things. It was very odd to have them feature in there. Um, in an interview, Taylor Momsen spoke very highly of Amy Lee, and, and that's not really the concern here. I just again thought that was kind of weird that we're seeing another big voice in in female fronted rock mm-hmm. um to not really be credited or have any sort of part but being a, a part of a song right. for another band i just thought that was interesting but that really is the um the entirety of the pretty reckless death by rock and roll matt on a scale of one to eight tentacles where you at this record was the hardest to put a number on um, and, and the reason I say that is where the high points were on this record is i really wanted to push it higher uh, but the low points really kind of didn't allow me to push it for push it higher. Um, so on this one is I'm going to put it at a four out of eight. Uh, the points that were very pleasant, I enjoyed a lot on this one. But when it lost my attention, it lost my attention. Um, full transparency is while I was listening to this, I was actually putting laundry away. And there were there were times where I was sitting there and it was kind of in the section of 
um, about my bones to witches burn um, and a little bit into turning gold is I was kind of in and out of listening. And it was kind of a part where it was like I was putting my laundry away and then I was like, wait a second. I'm supposed to be listening to this to review. And it, so it was, unfortunately, there. it was one of those records where I couldn't keep my attention completely there. And I, I found myself kind of leaning off. But once I actually gave it my attention is I found a lot more things that I liked. There were things where I was like, this makes me want to come back. This doesn't make me want to come back. So it was um, kind of being able to dig into it a little bit more. Yeah, I... Um... I enjoyed the record a bit more than you did. Um, so I, I would say that I would give it about a six out of eight. Okay. Um, just because the chunk, the, there was about, like I said, three quarters of the album that I did actually uh, legitimately enjoy. And then the other uh, one fourth of the album right. was just stuff that wasn't for me, which is what prevented it from getting any higher. If the other uh, quarter of the album had matched what they had done in like those first three or four songs, mm-hmm. then it, it has a contender of being a seven or an eight for me. Right. Um, it's, still a solid album there's going to be plenty of songs that i go back and revisit on this record it just it can't, i can't put it any higher but i definitely don't want to put it any lower because of just how strong it came out the gate and for like the first four tracks i was just in love and then they still had some bangers that were coming in mm-hmm. as the, the album came to a close as well no i hear you on that um so that is our thoughts on death by rock and roll by pretty reckless um again that's just us giving our chance uh, chance to kind of look at the music do a d- track by track breakdown what we like to do is we like to do a segment called the hidden track where we get to talk about m- music that's maybe not related to this record specifically but just some other releases that have come out gabe what do you have for your hidden track today? Uh, today, I want to talk about Brackier a Bombshell, which is the new single that was released by Attack Attack a little bit earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Um, given what we had seen before, so there was the song uh, All My Life that was released late last year that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did the shenanigans on 420 of Kawaii Cowboys, which was concerning. Uh, and then they released this song, which... I thought was fantastic. The crab is back. Um, <laughs> Crabby harder. It, it, it just, it felt really good. Cause like it, it, obviously it isn't the old attack attack where it's like stick stickly, the motivation, uh, the mm-hmm. revolution someday came suddenly that kind of stuff. It's obviously not that, but there's still an element of that reminiscent in there, um, which was, is nice to hear. And then the new vocalist that they got actually like showcased a lot of himself and his vocals very much sounded like Caleb Shomo mixed with Mike Ronica. Mm-hmm. And that was just something I wasn't expecting, especially from his Queens. Right. Um, so that was really cool to hear. Um, I'm actually now excited for what they're going to be doing next. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it, it's continuing to follow in the same line. All, All my life was a decent song. I don't hate it. I don't really love it, but this song I actually will be continuing to jam repeatedly. Um, some other things that I did want to note, um, there was uh, a new Barrier song that came out uh, this last week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit different from what their usual stuff was. It kind of went more in the, the just the, the straight hard rock kind of general sound instead of the beat down hardcore that they used to be. Okay. Um, you came out with a new single that's going to be coming up on their upcoming album, I want to say in June or possibly July. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it's following in the same vein as um, the, the recent singles that they've pu- put out. I personally am enjoying it, but I wasn't a huge Atreyu fan to begin with. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of like old Atreyu, that old um, post-hardcore sound of like lip gloss and black and uh, and things of that nature, it might not necessarily be your flavor. But if you kind of like the Hell or High Water, which is the the drummer side project, mm-hmm. um, it's going to have a lot similar of that vibe and just kind of more the straight hard rock kind of stuff. And I, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I also wanted to bring up the uh, new Machine Gun Kelly song that came out. Um, he did with Kellen Quinn. Personally, I hate Kellen Quinn. But the song <laughs> itself was decent enough that I could get over the fact that he was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was kind of just the uh, the things that I wanted to touch on this week. Uh, Matt, what do you got for it? So I actually didn't realize until I was finishing my notes on this one. Uh, but I'm actually doing another female-fronted band, and this band is blowing up like crazy, As and I should. am all for it. Um, this is the new single by Spirit Box. Uh, for those who may not know, this is Courtney LaPlante's current band. Um, she is formerly of I Rustled a Bear Once. 
And fun fact, and I either I I missed something or I I misheard, but I believe the guitarist of Spirit Box is actually married to Courtney. Um, so you don't you typically see like siblings in bands. Um, but when I found out that there, uh, it's actually Courtney and Michael are married, and I thought that was kind of neat. Um, and I believe the information I got was actually from a podcast that Courtney Laplant does. Um, but this is, this one's titled circle with me and it was released on YouTube on April 29th. Um, and this feels very much like a callback to some of their early stuff. Um, it's a very solid blend of previous work that they've released, but it feels new and fresh. Um, you see a lot of the soft vocal that Courtney had done in the previous single that they released Constance. Um, but this also very much had a rule of nines vibe. Um, where you see Courtney doing the softer vocal stuff, but then she comes in and when it when it gets heavy, she gets disgustingly heavy. And I I am beyond for that with her voice. So I was a fan of I Wrestled a Bear once prior to Courtney becoming a part of Spirit Box and forming that with uh, I, I did confirm it is Michael is her husband. Um, so I was a fan of I Wrestled a Bear once prior to that, and I haven't really been getting into Spirit Box as a result of that because I wanted something a little bit heavier. I wanted to really mm-hmm. hear more of her just absolutely thrashing her voice, and I got to hear that on this song, and I'm like, all right, I'm a believer now. This is fantastic. <laughs> let's go. Let's keep doing yeah. this. <laughs> and and really, the the one of the things I will say, um, just you know, so that way we don't end up, cause I I could sit here and talk for hours, honestly, about how much I love this song, and just I keep coming back to it and keep wanting to listen to it. The choruses is one of the things that Spirit Box really hadn't done before. Is the the chorus felt like the sound just blows up. And it actually sounds like Courtney is singing in a higher register than she typically does. And she does that with chorus one and two. And before coming into chorus three, or the, but really before coming into the breakdown, which just absolutely slaps, um, is you see her really come in with the screaming vocals. And then chorus three is it's almost as if she just completely cuts loose and really gets to gets to play around with her range and if if this is an allusion to a full length record that they're going to be doing and up until this point they haven't put out a single full length i want this full length i want it yesterday and i need it so bad <laughs> you can be sure that we're going to be reviewing that once it does come out on 100 percent. <laughs> but that'll do it for this week's cast uh, as always we appreciate you guys liking us rating us and subscribing to us on itunes uh, apple music uh, Podbean, uh, Spotify, as well as Google Podcasts. Yes, thank you. Anywhere that you get your podcasts, we would appreciate you just giving us some love there as we love you guys. Um, In the meantime, next week we are going to be diving into Escape the Fates' newest album, Chemical Warfare, which is going to be Matt's absolute favorite album, so I really (laughs) recommend you guys coming back and checking us out for that. It's going to be a ride, y'all. But in the meantime, we will see you later. Catch you next time.